uh, our family uh, made a purchase. Uh, we, uh, we got a new mattress in our house. So the mattress, the, talking about specifically, we got one for Avery. Avery's room is bigger, and so now it's the guest room. So she got a, a new queen mattress in her room for when family or guests uh, come and visit. And no joke, mattress shopping is crazy. Like, it, is, it makes no sense, right? You go to this store in your regular clothes, and you talk to this guy who used to sell cars or was a musician or whatever, and then now he's been selling mattresses for the last five years. Uh, and you lay down on this mattress with your shoes on. That's why they have that fabric at the end of the bed, because your shoes are obviously dirty. And if you lay on the mattress, that covers your shoe dirt. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and you lay, they tell you to, to uh, lay down on the bed like you're sleeping. And so I started taking off my pants. No, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I actually asked the guy if he'd cuddle with me like my wife does. It'd help me sleep. Uh, no, I didn't. I'm actually blacklisted from the sleep number place on the guide now. But, uh, but no, no, no. But we purchased this mattress, and no joke, no joke, no joke, four separate people told me to make sure and not cut the tag off the end of the mattress. Right? Four separate people. The, the first guy, when I went in there the first day and looked at the mattress, he was showing me all the mattresses. And then he's like, oh, yeah, and when you buy yours, don't cut the tag off the end. And I'm like, okay, you know. And then I brought my daughter back to lay on the bed because I wanted a teenage daughter needs to make her own decision. And so she came back to lay on the bed. And then that guy said, oh, yeah, and when you get it, make sure you don't cut the tag off the end of the bed. And then the two college guys that showed up at my house to deliver the mattress, both of them said at different times, one when we were inside setting up the mattress and one when they were outside, uh, you know, cleaning up the truck and stuff, they're like, make sure you don't cut that tag off the end of the mattress. And if you know, that mattress tag at the end of the mattress says that under penalty of law, this tag not be removed. Now, it does say, unless by the consumer, but I'm not eating mattresses, so... Um, yeah, I don't know what that means. Uh, but I started, <laughs> I, I, I uh, had these, these four different people tell me not, and not to cut off the tag. I'm like, this is my 13-year-old daughter's mattress. Like, what's going to happen? Like, is the law going to sh show up if I cut this tag off? And what it made me want to do, it made me want to sneak into my daughter's room in the middle of the night and peel back the sheet and peel back the mattress cover and have a pair of scissors in the darkness of night and cut the tag off and quickly throw it away so I don't get caught, right? But no, like that is a warning that's on every mattress. It's actually on your pillows. And there's so many warnings in our life to not do things. Now that one, I, man, I don't get, I mean, I don't get it. Like under penalty of law, and, you know, I'm like, whatever. But I mean, think about, I mean, the slippery when wet signs, Right? Those, those are ones that, like, if you've walked into the bathroom at Target and, poof, and fell, you, you, like, pay attention to that slippery when wet sign. Or uh, the warning signs where, uh, before the movies, you know, FBI warning. Have you read all of the writing that's in there? So we did our first outdoor movie night. We learned what that warning was about, uh, actually. We had to pay a, a good chunk of money to get licensed because we chose to show a movie that wasn't part of our license. Anyways. Side note, so that warning's true. That actually happens. Um, uh, what about the one that says, this is not a step, right? On the top of your ladder, how many of you have stepped on that step, right? 
unless you've gotten up on that step to reach whatever you're reaching and the ladder's like buckled on you, like you ignore that, don't, this is not a step. Like you've got to get to that top rung of whatever you've got to get at, right? Until uh, you've done that, until you've uh, paid the price of not heeding to a warning, oftentimes we ignore all the warnings in our life, right? We, we toss them aside or don't really think twice about them and we just kind of let it be until we've understand that, you know, it's, you're not meant to be on top of that ladder and you're going to be out of balance, right? Then we tend to not uh, think twice about that. And so this series, uh, we've been over this, in the first couple weeks of the series, we've been looking at this idea of always putting God on top, always displaying, giving God the glory in all things. Week one, we looked at uh, God's love for us displayed through Christ and what he did for each one of us. That uh, even though and despite what we have, are doing, and will ever do, uh, God's love doesn't change how he views us as his children. If you remember, probably one of my favorite verses in, in 2 Peter, the book, is verse 3, where it says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness uh, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Like, do you get that? Like, in that verse, it says that he has granted us all things we need in our lives that pertain to his glory. So everything that we would need to live, we looked at in week one, comes from Christ, comes from the penalty that he paid and the spirit that lives within us. Last week, we built on that and looking at the second part of chapter one uh, of Second Peter, where we looked at the, the supremacy of God's word, the truth that is written in the Bible and in the authority and the validity of that. We've looked at both uh, historically, what does that look like? What did it look like for the disciples to all give their lives for this book? The validity of it. And, and actually how to, uh, to apply that, the applicableness of the Bible. And how, and then I shared how I narrowly escaped living a childhood in juvie uh, with hit and run accidents. You'll have to uh, go back and listen to that. But this week, we start chapter 2 of 2 Peter, where we put, uh, we put uh, the truth of Scripture uh, and what we established in last week kind of into practice, so to speak, in our lives. And it comes in the form of a warning to us. It comes in the form of a warning that God heeds to us, his people. And, you know, even if you haven't placed your faith and trust in Jesus, it's a warning that you have to know that once you do, this is a warning of what will happen or what will, what will indefinitely come in your life. Because I know everything I've written in here, that this came from struggles that I've learned and lessons that I've learned in this as well. And so, uh, and, 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 and uh, for us, this warning is a pretty stern warning. And c come to find out as I was reading through some books of the Bible this week, uh, whenever there's a second book, 2 Corinthians, 2 Thessalonians, 2 uh, Timothy, 2 Peter, it tends to be that that second letter is a little more stern. It's like that double back mentality. How many of you have ever, maybe a friend or a, a child or whatever, you've given somebody a warning of a lesson you've learned or something you're observing that they're, it's actually going to be detrimental, maybe even harmful for them to take that route 
And you give them this warning, right? We give people warnings like that all the time. But then when you're analyzing the situation and you look and you think, did they even hear me? Like my kids, like, did they even heed my warning at all? Because it tends like they're heading right down that same direction I told them not to go. And so I double back around and say, okay, listen, 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 Micah. Like, this is what I shared with you so that you wouldn't get hurt, that you wouldn't, uh, you know, fall victim to whatever it may be. And a lot of the second books in the Bible like that, and especially Second Peter, we get a sternness that's written in them that is like, listen up, like, listen, this is the warning I have for you. And so this second Peter, and even especially in chapter two, it's like a double back around. Like, you need to understand this. Make sure you hear me on this. And so verse one, second Peter chapter two, verse one starts with this. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresy even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. That's a, pretty, that's a pretty stern warning to start, right? And just like we looked at it last week, if there's a way for us to live the truth, if this is God's uh, truth for us, how we are to live our lives, there are people who will choose truth, and then there will be people who don't choose truth, who oppose it even. And, 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 and what Peter's talking about here is actually people who have said, ah, I'm going to follow the truth, but then choose not to. Choose to maybe even disguise it. And so uh, under God's truth, there will be people who uh, live an opposite lifestyle, and some will choose that. And that's what Peter is, is talking about here. And specifically when he says it, he says at the time of Scripture, and if you remember last week I told you that Scripture was pharaohed, so it was written by these men, but it was pharaohed. It was carried and pinned by God along the way to get what we have today as the Bible. Divinely, God carried the truth of Scripture to a spot where he knew this is where it would land and this would be the truth for everybody. All right, and so at that time, Peter says, there are false prophets among you. There will be false prophets that arose among that time and those people. And so a false prophet would be somebody who uh, claimed Jesus, but then walked away, or claimed God's law, but then walked away from that law and, lit, and, and actually even taught different from that law, different from the, the, the truth of Scripture. People who claim to believe in Jesus, whose life and mission and desires move away from God's teaching in our lives. Now get this, just as there will be uh, false prophets, just like that, there will be false teachers among you, among us, right? There will be false, and that's what it says, there will be false teachers among you. And, and I tell you what, I, I have this discussion quite often with uh, uh, many people about the idea of like, oh, I listened to this sermon or, you know, send me a link and like, what do you think about this? This guy's sideways with what he's saying or whatever. YouTube, yes, they're all over. You can get, you got to be careful what you're listening to and all that kind of stuff. There's teaching that is all over the map when it comes to uh, the truth in scripture and people uh, changing it. 
But what this is actually saying is that there will be false teachers among you, among us. And, and, and what I want to talk about today is not that that is necessarily, I mean, th there's people who intentionally choose that, to twist Scripture to line it up to their lives, and then that's the soapbox that they stand on. But if we're really honest with ourselves as we walk through this, there'll be times where we don't even realize we're doing it. We're the people that are twisting Scripture to believe and make it line up with what we actually want to believe in our lives. Because it says here, the people who secretly bring heresy. And so heresy is this idea of, um, of in, in the warning that he's saying, heresy is the idea of saying, uh, you know, you believe in Jesus, but then twisting what his teachings to make them your own and, and, and applicable to your life and what you desire for your life. That's different than what truth tells us, right? It's the claiming of Jesus, but twisting it, and it even says secretly twisting it into something that Jesus isn't. And if you look up heresy, words that are connected to it are dissent and dissension and nonconformity. Ooh, those are trigger words today, right? Those are trigger words, but that's, uh, uh, that is uh, the warning that we're getting on this, and it's a huge warning, and it's a warning to us, the church, Right? And I believe we need to seriously address and analyze this in our lives to decide whether or not we are, in some way, our lifestyle living this out, even in the slightest bit. Because there's really kind of twofold that we must look at. Because if we're honest with ourselves, uh, not only will we fall victim, and, and, and that's why I tell you, man, bring your Bible. Uh, don't elevate what I say on a Sunday morning past you truth checking it with scripture and uh and and i've told you before and i'll even re-mention in here what you think about me is actually a big deal to me and so i want to make sure i'm not saying things that just tickle your fancy right that just are what you want to hear i want to be saying things that are truthful so you what i say i want you to take and weigh it up to scripture weigh it up to truth because not only do we fall victim to it i think we can oftentimes partake in it to indulge in it ourselves. Indulge of twisting the truth so it applies to our lives. And if you see that, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who secretly bring in destructive heresy, even denying the master who bought them. We established this in the first two weeks. Jesus paid the price. Jesus paid the price for each one of us. Jesus paid the ransom for your life so that you wouldn't fall victim to, uh, to uh, living a life of desiring something that isn't truthful or being a slave to something that Jesus has already rescued you from. And there will be people who claim, and it says that there will be people who claim Jesus but don't even dive into his power of redemption in those things. Or the people who claim Jesus but actually are a victim to, uh, to this, Right? The gospel, and this is what's, what's, what's at least for me, uh, the gospel and the truth and the, the, the ransom, the, the price that Jesus paid for each one of us is not so that we would avoid the penalty in our lives of sin. Do you get that? Like, 
there's certain things you can do in your life that lead you to uh, destruction. Maybe break up your family, maybe, uh, you know, cause you stress and anxiety. Like, Jesus's, uh, Jesus's uh, price that he paid on the cross for each one of us is not to avoid our, our families to be broken up and not to avoid the stress and anxiety. Jesus's price that he paid on the cross for each one of us is so that we would be one with him that we would be uh, unified with him and that we would understand his will in our lives, that we would understand his love, acceptance, and forgiveness for us, not merely to avoid the calamity that we might face and the, the poor choices that we make in our lives. Does that make sense? Sorry, got a little bit going there. Um, but, uh, and, and the idea of this is that we twist something other than just Jesus, period. Like, just Jesus, Right? No personal agenda, uh, what I want it to be, what I want to stand for, my own beliefs. Like, none of that. It's actually just Jesus in, in, in the truth of Scripture, right? And isn't that the essence? Like, isn't that the essence of what social media is for us right now? The idea of social media becoming how do I influence others to myself and what I want to portray them to see, right? I mean, we fall victim to that all the time. And it's actually just set up on a tee for us to just knock out of the park every day so everybody can just see exactly what I want them to see and I don't have to deal with uh, the stuff in my life. And so, verse 2. And many will follow their sensuality and because of them, uh, the way of the truth will be blasphemed. Blasphemed. And so, uh, many will follow their sensuality. And I know when you hear that word, you're like, that's kind of like a sexual word or like does that pertain it does a little bit to that but more so it, it pertains to our feelings what we feel and what we desire in our lives uh, um, you, you know we talked about this last week you do you like the truth that you have in your life is truth for you so whatever you believe truth is that's truth right and that's that 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 feeling of whatever I desire whatever I think truth is that's truth and, and, and in actuality, what we talked about last week is it's a little different. There's truth, in, and then there's like what I want, what I desire, what I want in my life, in my life. And so this is the warning to do that. And my question for you is, who do you listen to? Who do you listen to when it comes to truth? Who are you listening to? Oftentimes, and I fall victim to this too, I only put myself in position to listen to the people that I want to hear, that I, I think I agree with, or that, uh, you know, and that, that can be a good thing, and it also can be very detrimental because people uh, have, honestly, human agenda. And, and, and even though I, 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 I listen to people of only who that I want and agree with me, that doesn't make it truth. That doesn't make it uh, the truth that I need to hear in my life. And so, uh, who are you listening to when it comes to the truth of the life that God desires for you to live? Right? We listen to the people who tell us what we want them to tell us, right? We talked about this last week when it's like, what truth is isn't necessarily exactly what you want to hear. And I tell you what, both if I do this right or wrong for you, you should hear things that challenge you. 
My hope is that you just don't hear things that you're like, I agree with that. Just nod your head and take good notes, right? And, and what, I, what I feel the overwhelming weight to do is to make sure what I share with you is the truth. And then you guys have to determine whether or not it lines up with Scripture. And if it doesn't, get me off the stage as quick as you can. Right? No, I'm not even kidding. If you've called me, there's been a few people who've called me after I've said something, and it hasn't happened a lot, probably should happen way more than it has. I welcome that conversation. If anything I say challenges you in a way where you're like, I don't think that lines up with the Bible, I would love, love to hear it. And I won't, like, shy away from, uh, I won't judge you. I won't, I'll be like, let's figure it out together. I'll gladly spend hours of my week helping myself in you to find that truth. And so even if I do this right or wrong, the hope is that we'll hear things that we don't actually maybe want to hear because it challenges us to seek that truth out in our lives. And this is what is so dangerous to us because, um, because we give people in our lives so much power. So much power. And, and, and this is like a side soapbox like discussion with you. Don't allow people to, to like eat away at your life. Don't give them the power to directly uh, affect your life for days and what they think or say or do or if it lines up with what you believe. Like, no, like, don't allow that to happen. And I would say for me, like, don't give me that power in your life. Like, yeah, uh, pastor of the church 10 years and a lot of you have been here the whole time and we built relationships and stuff like that. Like, but take it to truth, take it to scripture. I could be cloudy I could have a filter that I'm seeing it through that I need to be corrected in. And so don't give people the power to overwhelm your life, good or bad or indifferent, right? Because when it comes down to it, that's the warning that Peter says there's what the Bible says, and then there's oftentimes what I want is what I like lean towards is what I want to hear, what I desire to hear. There's what the Bible says, and then there's like, nah, but like I want, I want this. <laughs> this is a little easier. <laughs> this is a little more comfortable. This is like a little more uh, doesn't challenge me as much. It's in my lane. I can stay in my lane, right? And then like what it says secretly, that heresy creeps in where. There's truth, and then I twist it a little bit, and then I make it my own. That tends to creep in. And so the question for us is, are we changing the word? Are we changing the truth, or are we changing our lives? Are we changing? Are we, do we tend to take Scripture and kind of change it to mold and match what I want and desire in my life, or am I changing my life to make it line up more with what Scripture says it should be? Because here's the deal. I don't care what you believe. I know I actually do care. Highly relational. Care a lot about what you think. Insert heresy here. Like I give you guys so much weight. Sometimes inappropriate amounts of weight of what you think about me and in church. And, like, and so I've got to oftentimes step aside and be like, okay, you know, like I know that they're upset or they're whatever, but like 
I gotta be sure I'm doing the right thing. But uh, the thing is, is, is for us, uh, do we spend time justifying what we believe or figuring out what the Bible says we should believe? Do we spend time uh, um, um, putting whatever the things in your life are right now, uh, shot, mass, sexuality, equality, d- democracy, politics, lifestyle, do we spend our, our time uh, uh, fighting for those things or figuring out the truth of what Scripture tells us, how we should, what our mindset should be and how we should focus on Him and, and those things in our lives. Like, what are we spending our time? And, and, and all honestly, if we think about it, it shouldn't take us long to look at our lives and analyze and see the, t- the, the parts of our lives that just don't quite line up. I think, I think it's pretty easy to be aware of those things. Like, they're just a little sliver. For me, it's like, it's blaringly obvious that it doesn't line up, and I need to do something about it. And there, there's those things in our lives as well where we have to correct those and line those up with Scripture rather than, like, changing Scripture a little bit to be like, ah, but, you know, I'm... I'm a good person. Like, I'm not as bad as, or not, you know, or that isn't quite what Scripture's talking about. Like, sorry, that's just the conversations I have in my head. Um, and that's the idea of what Peter is saying here. False teaching, heresy, blasphemy. And what's, what's, uh, what, what is that is that there's, it's, it's, it's linked to, for us, it's linked to, honestly, greed, selfishness, self-desire. Uh, Verse 3, and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their uh, condemnation for long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. It's linked to greed. It's linked to self. It's linked to my own desires, what I want, what I want to believe is true, Uh, the greediness of, of myself. And what did, I, what did I say heresy was? It was the twisting of the truth to what, uh, to what? To self, to what I want it to say, what I perceive it to say, what I desire for it to mean in my life. And church, probably one of the greatest examples of this in culture and evangelical uh, Christianity is this idea of the prosperity gospel. Like the prosperity gospel, and, and, and I'm not going to speak into what they believe, but a lot of the times it's centered on the idea of God owes me something. That God is reactive to my desires, to what I do in my life. God is going to change and bless me according to what I desire uh, in my life. And now don't get me wrong, God desires for his people to prosper. God desires for his people to, uh, to, uh, to succeed in life and all that kind of stuff. But what God doesn't do is God isn't reactive to our desires and changing who he is and blessing us in, in certain ways and not in other ways. Ultimately, and this sounds selfish, ultimately God acts on his behalf all of the time. And that sounds like, ooh, like I don't want to hang hang out with somebody on this planet that acts solely on their behalf. But if we understand the heart of God and his desires in our life, it's actually quite easy to be like, you know what? I want to hang out with a God. I want to be with a God who acts on his behalf all of the time and not on mine because I know, my, I know what I desire on my behalf, right? I want to hang out with a God that acts on his behalf all the time, his glory, 
displayed for me and with me and through me and together and uh, into the dark. Like, I want a God that is always, always acting on his behalf and his glory. I don't always want that, but I want that, (laughs) right? That's just, just me, but... And I think what oftentimes, and even some other cases, get in the way, right? Think about this the idea, and again, uh, most of it revolves around self, revolves around, um, and not around the Word of God. But in other some ways it creeps in is this, and I'm going to make up some words here. I don't even know if they're true. Uh, politicalism? I don't think that's a word. Um, but that's where we begin to accept ways of life that are contrary to Scripture because they're in line with what we politically believe. Right? Where we take uh, a self-belief and make it truth or even go as far as to um, uh, convenience ourselves that it's, convince ourselves that it's Bible truth. Right? Again, there's Bible and then there's like what I want the Bible to be. What I desire truth to be. And there's moralism. Moralism is this idea, and I think that's a word, where uh, we make our ability to do the right thing our truth in reality. And that is where uh, I convince myself, well, I don't cheat, I don't kill, I don't steal, I don't, like, wrong people, I don't get in fights, and I don't, like, like, and because of that, that's my ticket. That's my golden ticket to the pearly gates because I'm a good person, right? Moralism. That isn't, uh, that isn't gospel glory. That isn't God's glory. That's my ability to do the right thing. And I'll tell you what, sorry, that doesn't lead to heaven. And if you're honest with yourself, I mean, do you do right all the time? No, I get, I get it wrong quite often. And then uh, what that can easily lead to uh, is that God oftentimes, and this is like, this is where I think, man, we miss the mark as Christians. Because with that moralism, we're convicted. God has said, hey, you know, for you, I don't think you should be partaking in this or doing this. Like, this is detrimental to you. And then what I tend to do, or what we tend to do, is then we take that and then apply that to everybody else. Even though God hasn't convicted you of that. Or hasn't led you to that point in your life. And then we stand on that soapbox and say, well, you know, Christians shouldn't drink. Or Christians, you know, don't do this or don't do that. When really it's like, God's just put that on you. Whether it's because of your past or because of uh, things that have gone on in your life or lessons you've learned or whatever. Like, that's you. That's the truth that God's given you. And you can't allow that to be the, the ultimate truth. Because then that becomes what your ultimate truth is. And it's not proximity and closeness to Jesus and what he's speaking to you individually. Does that kind of make sense? And then another way that it creeps in is this, uh, and this isn't a word, because it was red squigglies under it, no matter how I spelt it or put it in there. Uh, experienceism, right? Ex- experientialism, I don't know what it is. But uh, this is where we make an experience take the place of our truth of who Jesus is in our lives, where we've allowed an experience to then uh, be what we're chasing in our lives, Right? 
where we, uh, where we, whether that be like a full worship band and we're really going at it with music or, uh, you know, this is that idea of like mission trip highs where you go away for this mission trip that's focused and then subsequently you have the letdown afterwards and then you desire that, that high that you got back in the day. Uh, I love, I love YWAM and this is just an example, but I often... Uh, YWAM is youth, youth with a mission. Youth with a mission? Yeah. Youth with YWAM is great. But what often happens is we've created this uh, the spiritual experience, and then you come back to reality, and you chase after that spiritual experience rather than really dive into what Christ has for you right where you're at, in a little wooded house in Sudden Valley, in a barn that could burn down like really easily. Um, Good thing for the rain. Um, but I, I had this happen to me. Like, I'm, uh, have you been baptized? This was back when I was working at Costco, and I was early Christian. Somebody said, well, have you been baptized? Yeah, I've been baptized. Well, did they say, I baptize you in Jesus' name? I was like, I don't remember what the guy said. He dunked me in water. Like, but but it, the guy was trying to convince me that if they didn't say, in Jesus' name, and he was searching for that experience, Right, uh, Heather and I, after I spent some time as a youth pastor at a church, we, we church hopped for a little while, which ultimately, I think, if you hop around from church to church to church to church, you're searching for that experience rather than Christ. Um, but, and that's not for everybody. But uh, I ha- we landed at this church. We loved this church. I had spent five years as a youth pastor, five years in ministry, um, and, 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 I, then, and, and then uh, we had been to this church church for maybe two or three weeks, and we're like, this is a great church. I sat down with the pastor, and the, we talked, and it sounded great, and I was going to get involved with the youth ministry. He's like, well, have you spoken in tongues? I'm like, no, nah, never spoken in tongues. Oh, well, then you're not saved yet. And I was like, ooh, like, that's that experience of like, and I even talked to somebody this week who said, like, I was, I attended a youth camp where they prayed over until I faked it and spoke in tongues, and I want to get out of there. Right? But it's just an experience. And I do believe God's gifts are for now. Like speaking in tongues is something, and we can get into that. That's like a rabbit trail. But, but it's not like that's, it's not the experience we're seeking after. It's the proximity to Christ that he calls us to. Right? We're, chasing, we're not chasing feelings. We're chasing um, him. In uh, and, and 2 Peter, it talks about these, um, for God did not spare the angels uh, in their destruction. God did not spare the world. He flooded the world when Noah was there. Uh, God did not uh, uh, spare Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities he turned to dust. You know, like, those are big, big, like, uh, big examples of destruction that came from a lifestyle that was separate from what God had from us. Now, that's Old Testament and uh, and, and, and we're in New Testament, New Covenant with Jesus. But 2 Timothy says this, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, and I've sped up because we're going to go over. Um, but understand this, in the last days, there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, they'll be proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient with their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, uh, 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 unappeasable, uh, slanderous, without self-control, uh, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of... Raise your hand if any of those hit home. 
Don't lie to me. Something in there hit home, right? All right. So uh, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoiding, avoid such people. For among them, there are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins, led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. And that is a list. That is a long list of things that it's said. And, and, and don't get hung up on the last days. Post Jesus' death and resurrection, I think every point from there on out is last days. All right, so I don't think 2021, like we're in the last days. We are in the last days, but it's not like last days, like, like put a, you know, make a Christmas ring and tear it off like 50 more days. No, it's just last days. Um, but but uh, we dabble in some of that ourselves. I think we, I mean, it's, it's not too far from the truth that we would be slanderous, that we'd be full of conceit, that we would love pleasure in some cases more than God, right? That's what we've been talking about. But what, what, what's said here, and, and this is kind of a little bit of, of that you need to f check this with Scripture, but uh, f this is Jason's understanding and weighing on, on the truth. That I have. For among them are those who will creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sin, and be led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive the knowledge of truth. And what happens in these cases is that it just creeps in. It just takes up a little bit of room and then a little bit more and then a little bit more and then it becomes our soapbox thing. It becomes the thing that we're sold out to rather than selling out to Jesus. It becomes a thing that isn't necessarily uh, truth, but for us it's truth. Right? And it, and it creeps in. And what, what it says there at the end of the verses is always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of truth. That it keeps us from really fully understanding what truth is. God didn't spare the angels. God didn't spare the ancient world when he flooded it with Noah. He didn't spare Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, what God does know is that anytime we choose anything off any of the lists that I've shared with you today, that leads to destruction. There's truth, and then there's that of which leads to destruction in our lives, however severe that might be. And, and in verse 9, it says, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly people from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of divine passion and despise authority. Now, this is an authority like governmental authority or anything like that. This is like authority of God, the authority of truth, the authority of Scripture. We despise authority in our lives. So church, what is the cost that you're willing to give? I personally struggle with whether or not my kids and my family are missing out on things in life because of our dedication to truth. And, I, and, and I'm not saying that as like, oh, high and mighty, dedicated to truth. But what I'm saying is that the life that even I has it as a, had as a child, my kids don't necessarily have. And I wonder, oftentimes, are my kids missing out because of what we're choosing to do? And ultimately, what that is, is that's the weight of the world 
and what we desire based on the weight of truth and what God desires in, in, in my life. And when I, when I think about it, I'm willing to, not all the time, I wish more of the time, I'm willing to pay the price for truth to win in my kids' lives. Christ paid the ultimate price to rescue us from all of those things. He also knows the life that we're living and the direction we're heading is detrimental to us. And it all comes down to a truth, true or false question for us. A true or false question for us in our lives. Do you know and understand the truth? I mean, oftentimes I can think, well, the Bible says, I know what the Bible says about marriage, who it's for and all that. And I actually know what the Bible says and how I should treat my wife. I know what the Bible says about sexual sin and pornography and fidelity, but my situation leads itself to a different outcome. Like, I mean, my life is a little different than what Scripture says it should be. Right? I know what the Bible says about acceptance, love, and forgiveness, but, I mean, the Bible doesn't take into account what they did to me. And so, you know, I mean, my truth is a little different when it comes to love, acceptance, and forgiveness. I know what the Bible says about creation and why and how we were created. I know what the Bible says that I should or shouldn't do with my body. Uh, I know what the Bible says about work and play and how I should portray and give myself over to, to some of those things or to, to Christ. I know what the Bible says on how I should conduct myself and how I should treat my neighbor and treat others. I know what the Bible says about lust and money and pleasure in my life. But my situation... My life is unique. It's different than what the Bible says truth is, right? And that's often the conversation we don't even realize that we're having in our lives. And that's the warning to not falsely change the truth of Scripture or the cost at which Christ paid to a, 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 a lessened uh, ransom that he paid or a lessened price because we feel like, uh, you know, my life's different. And that doesn't really apply to me. To change it to what ultimately lines up with my life. Second Peter 19, they promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person is what he is enslaved to. Whatever it is that we believe separate from truth becomes our authority in our lives and becomes what we choose to live for, separate from truth. In, in, in Christ, as our master, paid the price for each one of us. So whatever rules in our life separate from truth actually ruins our life. purchasing us out of slavery, out of what, what wants to creep in to capture us, that of which holds us captive in our lives. That's what Christ paid the price for. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your truth. Man, I thank you that it's not always easy. 
I thank you that we have to become reliant on you in all things. And because of that, I thank you that you gave us your word and your truth and the desires that you have for each one of us, Lord. Thank you for that. Lord, I pray for myself and my brothers and sisters that we would be in tune, Lord, that we would be um, in, that we would uh, take into consideration all things in our life. And that we'd weigh them up to the desires that you have for us, Lord. The truth that you've written in your word that is for us, Lord. Lord, may we call into question all that we selfishly desire in our lives. And may we honestly, fervently desire you more than any of it, Lord. That your teachings, that your will, that your guidance would be known on our hearts, Lord. It would direct our minds. It would direct our path. Lord, continue to speak to us as we close with these last two songs. Lord. Your truth.